I'd like for us to turn in the Old Testament now to Isaiah 43 to talk more about the love of God that is reliable, the love of God that we can count on. And I'd like for us to stand this morning. We've had a long time between things. Please stand, and I'm going to read as we stand. Isaiah 43, verses 8 through 13, and this is the very word of God. Lead out those who have eyes but are blind, who have ears but are deaf. All the nations gather together and the peoples assemble. Which of their gods foretold this and proclaimed to us the former things? Let them bring their witnesses to prove that they were right so that others may hear and say, it is true. You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, so that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me, no God was formed, nor will there be one after me. I, even I, am the Lord, and apart from me, there is no Savior. I have revealed and saved and proclaimed, I, not some foreign God among you. You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, that I am God. Yes, and from ancient days, I am he. No one can deliver out of my hand when I act. Who can reverse it? The very word of God. Be seated, please. I'd like to work out of one sentence this morning so that you can get what this passage is talking about. It's very simple. You write it down. Maybe you can memorize it. And it simply is this. When idols lead to pain, God's love will remain. That's what this passage is about. When idols lead to pain, God's love will remain. There comes a time when a a boy begins to think he is a man and he begins to have his own thoughts. He begins to make his own decisions. And there's a story about such a man in Luke chapter 15 that is pretty familiar. It's called the parable of the prodigal son. This young man looks at his father steadfast, consistent, always loving. He knows that there is a solid future with his father. He, he knows that, that his father's love will always be there. But then he looks to the horizon and he begins to wonder whether there's something better out there than the love of his father. Something bigger, something more exciting. And curiosity turns to infatuation. And infatuation turns to desire. Before you know it, he has convinced himself that life out there must be and is better than the love of the Father. And in Luke 15, we read the most audacious thing that we can't even imagine. That this young man goes and asks his father for his inheritance now. So that he can take the money and go and pursue his own happiness. His father gives it to him, and he's gone. Now he can live like they live in the magazines. Now he can live like they live on TV. 
Now he can find what he's really looking for. But things aren't always the way they appear. They're not always the way we think they're going to be. And um, he gained lots of friends, we read. I put air quotes around that. His, his friends manipulated him out of his, his money. The relationships that he found out in the world were shallow and exploitive. And when his money ran out, his friends deserted him. And it turned to disillusionment. And it turned to depression. And it turned to near starvation. As there was a famine in that land and he had no money to buy food. The only work he could find, we read, is to clean up after the pigs and to eat after the pigs were finished. And it was in that moment of a kind of reality that he never imagined that he would see as he formally looked to the horizon with all his dreams. It was at that moment that he remembered his father, steadfast, consistent, love. Even my father's hired men are well cared for. He decides he's going back to his dad's farm and he's going to ask his dad for a job. And all the way back from this foreign country, he is practicing his speech. Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. And I am no longer worthy to be your son. Would you at least take me on as one of your hired men? But you know, as he is moving toward the home place, somebody else is scanning the horizon for a different reason. It's his dad who is out there every single day searching the horizon, hoping and praying that his son will return. And when his dad sees a lone figure walking, when his dad focuses in and realizes that it is his son, we read in, the, the, in Luke 15 that his dad, this, this well-respected older man, hikes up his, his skirts, his, his robes, and he begins to run as fast as he can. And he the, the boy doesn't even get a chance to give his speech because his father throws his arms around him. His father re- repeatedly kisses him. His father says, My son who is dead is alive. And there's forgiveness. And there's grace. And he's not a hired man. He is my son. And there is only one place where you can be loved like that. And that is by the Father. You see, Luke 15, the Father stands for God. The one and only whose love is reliable, consistent, always there. Yeah, God is like that. And this morning, we'll see that reliability. We'll see that God's love is persevering with us as well. When idols lead to pain, God's love will remain. I want to talk about idols because the text talks about them and and how they lead to pain. You know, each of us 
I trust, can identify with the prodigal son, uh, especially if you've put your trust in Jesus and, and you are God's child, you're his son or you're his daughter. I know I do. Having such a steadfast and loving father, we, we've scanned the horizon. Uh, we've decided there are things that, that we just want more than the father's love. There's a, there's a better life than, than, than life with the father and we forsake him. We listen to the sound bites and philosophies of this world, don't we? And, and shiny things catch our eye and, and capture our hearts. And, and we are off on a pilgrimage to pleasure that will only lead to pain every single time. It is as old as the Garden of Eden. Don't trust the love of the Father. Go get what you really need. That's why he won't let you eat it. You understand that. It's, it's what you really want. Don't trust his love. Go get it. Here it is. Take a big bite out of it. And idolatry never works out for blessing and peace. It's the same with the nation of Israel in the book of Isaiah. This is why Isaiah was sent to the nation of Israel, both to warn them and now to comfort them. A people... Not just a person who wandered away from God and attached themselves to idols and details after details of of how much they forsook the Lord and the love of the Father. It's, It's amazing as you read it. And idols promised a payoff. But you know what? They were so empty and worse than that, they were just almost destroyed. The payoff was pain as they found themselves with their capital city in ruins burned to the ground fresh graves everywhere and others found themselves in captivity in the foreign land of Babylon but God still loved them you see God's love is reliable God's love is still there And he still has a future for his wayward people. That's what Isaiah 43 is about. You, 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 you finish with Isaiah 42 and it's just, it's so hard to see. It's so hard to read the seriousness of God and his holiness and what's going to happen. And then you get to Isaiah 43. I love you. It's the only place in the Old Testament where God says directly to his people, I love you. But he says it here. And he has a future for us with all the shiny trinkets and the world's promises that we, you and I, blindly follow. You know that today we need, we need to look up from wherever we are and see the amazing love of God who's calling us back, who's calling us from where we are right now today. Verse 8 calls idolaters blind and deaf. And we are. We don't want to see sometimes. We don't want to hear. And it is a merciful thing in our lives when God exposes false gods to us and we begin to see the reality of of what idols are not in comparison to the grace of God. We wouldn't bank on other stuff to make us happy. We wouldn't bank on other people and, and, and hold on to them so ferociously we we wouldn't bank on money sex and power 
unless we believed that they would pay. You know that, right? These are the temptations of the human heart, right? But really, can money give you what God alone has intended? Can sex really give you what God alone wants to give you? Can power, can influence what people think about you? Can can this, as the focus of your lives, really bring true and lasting peace and, and the kind of satisfaction? No. God exposes the reality of idols in our text. He's saying, as for your your other gods, bring them on. There's a courtroom scene here about to happen. Bring Bring them on. Let's bring them in. Let's look at them in the light of reality. Let's see what their prophets have said, what's come true. Let's see what my prophets have said and what has come true. Let's go ahead and have a little come to Jesus meeting with the, with the idols. And um, let's compare them with me. Verses 9 through 11. All the nations gather together. The peoples assemble. Which of their gods foretold this? Talking about Babylon and the destruction of Jerusalem. Which of their gods foretold this and proclaimed to us the former things? Let them bring in their witnesses to prove that they are right. So that others may hear and say, yes, it is true. Let me tell you. He's saying... Who predicted the terrible things that happened would happen? Was it your puny little gods? No. God says, it was me. And when you went to them, even when I told you to repent, to turn from idols that we all struggle with, when you went to their prophets, their prophets said, oh no, nothing but good things in your future. Find your happiness. Go do what you want to do. That's the way it works. You know, the problem with those prophecies is they're like fortune cookie prophecies. Have you ever noticed, have you ever been in a Chinese restaurant, opened a fortune cookie, and seen something bad? No, I mean, you got to love fortune cookies. You will find a friend sometime this month. You know, you don't crack open a fortune cookie and says you're going to get cancer and die. Wisdom will overtake you. I'm like, yeah, I'm down for that. Man, these people are incredible who write these fortune cookies. No, God had foretold this difficult reality. He said a flood of trouble is coming. Days of fury are approaching. The demolition of Judah, of Babylon, is on the horizon heading toward you, a Babylonian torrent. And captivity in a foreign land, but the false idols say, no, it's going to be great. It's just more and more. No, they're not gods at all. God says, Let's, what did they say? What, what really happened? And Israel is left in pain. I, I love the sections of the prophets where God mocks the idols don't you love this? Like there's, there's this one section in Isaiah. I remember uh, one of my professors in seminary is a very elegant man. And he, had a, he talked like this. And he said, what Isaiah is saying 
And this is where the, the section where he says, aren't your idols made out of wood? <laughs> and like some of your, some of the wood's made for idols and some of it's made for like firewood. I mean, really? You want to worship this? And, and the, my professor said, he said, God is taunting the idols. They make their idols with their hands and they have no power because you have to tack him up in the corner so the wind won't blow him over. <laughs> That's kind of what's going on here, you know, bring them in. Let's see who they really are. And we see who foretold and we see what really happened. Before me, verse 10, before me, God says, no God was formed and there will not be a God after me. These are not gods. They are false gods. And we need to remember this when we are tempted to look away from God to the horizon. I don't know what we're looking at right now. I don't know what's tempting us right now, but I want you to know it's an illusion. And worse than that, those things won't deliver. They're not only inept. Here's the worst part. They lead to pain. It's bad enough to find out they, they can't deliver. It's even worse to realize that they will hurt us. They will leave us empty and very often wounded as well. There's no deep down assurance with our idols, no solid hope, no unbroken security, no real satisfaction. They just leave us craving more and they hobble us after it's all over and we lose So first, when idols lead to pain, here they are, they're exposed, here's what's going on, and it hurts. But isn't that great, it's not the end of the story? When idols lead to pain, God's love will remain. Verse 10, you are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I've chosen, he's talking about the nation of Judah, so that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me, no God was formed. There will not be one after me. I, even I, am the Lord. And apart from me, there is no Savior. I have revealed, I have saved, I have proclaimed. I, not some foreign God among you. You are my witnesses. Now it's a different kind of witness, not of the idol's ineptitude. Now it's the witnesses of the wonder of God's salvation. And God's reliable love. That I am God. Yes, and from ancient days, I am he. Don't you love that I am he? I'm the one. I'm yours. Personal God who saves you, who loves you. Tell the court what you've really seen. Is it not true that you have seen my mighty works? Is it not true that I have revealed myself to you? Is it not true that I have redeemed you and proclaimed myself to you? Have I not loved you with a unique love among all the nations of the world? Yes. And I love how emphatic God is here. I am he. You see, it is in Isaiah 43 in particular that we hear him saying this. I am he who proclaims to you who reveals to you, who loves you. Verse 1, fear not, for I have redeemed you. 
I have called you by name. You are mine. Get it? I'm He. I'm the one. I've called you. I've loved you. I've re- You're mine. Verse 4, because you are precious in my eyes and honored, I love you. And, and I love you. I will give men in return for you. Yes, God was still there for them. Did God forgive them? Yes. God not only forgave them, God also sent them back to Jerusalem, back with the, with the materials to rebuild his temple. This is a story of incredible redemption of the durability, yea, the eternality and reliability of God's love. Now, please refrain from confusing consequences with forgiveness. It is not true to say that if God forgives me, I will never experience any of the consequences of my foolish choices. That's just wrong. And it is wrong to say that if I have experienced some consequences of my foolish choices, which we all do, therefore I'm not forgiven. No. God's people who are forgiven right here, who are still loved by God right here, went through consequences for their foolish choices. And could I just give you some pastoral advice when it comes to consequences? You know, you're really not the person that really understands those things anyway. These are a part of God's sovereign and mysterious ways. In Psalm 103, 8, he does not treat us as our sins deserve, nor does he repay us according to our iniquity. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love toward those who fear him. Meaning, God decides these things. You don't need to decide what the consequences ought to be for you. You don't need to decide that they're too great. You don't need to decide particularly what the consequences are for other people. Why don't you just leave that to God? Why don't we just go for forgiveness? Why don't we just go for the love of God and experience his love, experience his forgiveness? No matter where we are, no matter what we've come through, God is calling us with his love today. I've revealed and saved and proclaimed, I, not some foreign God among you, Yes, and from ancient days, I am he. So what about you and me and our idolatry? Where is God? You know, we do, we, we chase things. Our idolatry is not quite as like, obvious as people building things out of stone and bowing down to them and, and wood. I mean, Pretty much money, sex, and power, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. I mean, these are the big three. These are the idols that we build in our hearts. These are the things beside God that we rely on to make our lives rather than God. And God can use all of these things if we will submit to him and and walk in his love. But we look to them instead of God. And if we were to lose them, we would feel empty and destroyed Where's God? There are people here today who've gone through consequences and they just imagine God's abandoned me. God's abandoned me. No. No, I I would imagine that uh, during the 70 years in captivity in Babylon that people might have felt that way from time to time. 
Um, no, God has not abandoned you. In fact, far from it. He came to us. God's not going that way. God's coming here. God so loved the world that he sent his only son to come here, to die on a cross here, to take the sin that keeps me from God and the punishment that I deserve, not the chastening of a father who helps us understand, but the the wrath of God is taken by Jesus in my place. Don't you understand that Jesus is God to us, Emmanuel? No, you, you are not abandoned by God. God, idols are impotent, but God saves us and he loves us. In fulfillment of Isaiah 43, that is who Jesus is. God is saying to you this morning as idolaters, is it okay for me to call you idolaters? How about this? We idolaters. See, I just included myself because it's true. And we don't, we don't have to be afraid to bring the truth of who we are to a God of grace. We don't have to be afraid to bring the truth of who we are to the truth of God's word because he's for us in the gospel and he loves us. And, and he is saying to us idolaters and to those contemplating idolatry, I am he. I'm the one who loves you. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your weary souls. Apart from me, he says in Isaiah 43, there is no Savior echoing Jesus' words, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me and those who come to me will never be cast out. No, I am the only one who gives salvation. I'm the only one who can bring true meaning because I'm God, because I created you in my image. I am love itself, and I want to give you love. I'm the only one that can give you real security when things go bump in the night. I'm the only one who can give you real significance that's not threatened by the capriciousness of people. I'm the only one who can truly give you the life that is truly life. I am he. We need to realize that idols finally only pay out pain. It's just true. So what's God saying to us? Come back to me. I'm here. Turn back to me in your heart. I still want you, still love you. Here's the amazing truth. Remember in the prodigal son, God is represented by the father. Listen to what the father says in Luke 15, 22. The son who has forsaken him, the son who took his inheritance and blew it on Wild and riotous living. I mean, what an insult. And the older brother totally gets the insult of this. What does the father say? Did he say, I've been waiting for you to come back so I could get a few things straight with you. Go to your room. (laughs) No, he doesn't say that. He says this. 
quick. Listen to this. Quick, right now, immediately. Quickly, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put, put my signet ring on his finger and put my sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and let's celebrate. That's just the reality of the reliability of God's love for you, for me. Psalm 66.3, we had it in our prayer earlier. Your love is better than life. You understand, God's love drives the universe. You understand that? God's love drives the universe. And God's love fills and changes our lives. It is good to have our idols revealed by God to us so that we can let go of them. It's even better to have God's love revealed to us so that we can hold on to him in the midst of this life and have the life that we truly seek. Finally, it's not that just that God loves. It is that God is love. I mean, hear these words. It's kind of like the word Yahweh, I am that I am, but it's, it's different, isn't it? It is There's no other God than me. I am he. His love is only as reliable as himself. His love is eternal and only as unchangeable as he is. And he is. I am he. And he forgives And his love is reliable and he never lets us go. When idols bring pain, God's love will remain. And here's the question. What are you going to do with his love today? If you've never put your trust in what Christ came from the Father, the second person of God, to do on your behalf and said it is finished and it is, it's all there for you just to receive, just to Received by faith, you can know God's love today. Wherever you are, whether you are contemplating, scanning the horizon, an idolatry that would take you far away from the love and and the presence of God, so to speak, or whether you are deep into the foreign country right now, God has not changed you have put your trust in him you are his fear not for i have redeemed you i have called you by name you are mine you come back into his arms today let's pray lord there is no god that was made before you and there will be no god after you In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. You are God alone. And we thank you that you are not only all-powerful, all-knowing, three times holy. We thank you that you are reliable because of who you are. We thank you for your love. 
You've never put your trust in what Christ has done. It's just freely given to you. And you'd like to, just pray with me. Lord, I see it. I, I can't do this. I can't make myself holy. It's just not working well. I give up. I want to turn from everything that I've called religion and everything that I've called Christianity, and I want to put my faith, Jesus, in you and what you've done for me. Thank you that even now, on the basis of what you accomplished and wiping out my sins, I am forgiven and free. Thank you that even now the Holy Spirit has come into my life. Lead me, Lord, and keep me close to your love, dependent upon you. Well, there are many of us who've known you for quite some time, and we find ourselves at different places in our lives. Lord, there are people contemplating things that you could, you could just reroute them back into your arms this morning. Would you do that? And there are people who are clutching things that they just won't let go of. Would you cause us to let go of them now? That we might embrace you in the midst of your embrace again. Would you cause your love to flow into some lives right now? in such a way that they would know that they're forgiven, know that you're there, and that their future is sure. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.